And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation. I'm hoping helps your business grow. So if you own a business, then you probably have a hard time with recruiting. There is so much headline, all kinds of articles. The great resignation is supposedly occurring. And really, in the end, every business owner seems to have a hard time recruiting and finding the right people to do the job. Now, if you've listened to the show, you know I'm also in this business, and so is today's guest. And before I get into that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Gusto. Gusto has modern solutions for modern HR problems, whether it's talent management, payroll, or onboarding. Gusto's HR platform has it all for you. Be smarter than your competitors. You can try a three-month free subscription now. Just sign up at gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. Once again, gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. Now with me today, I've got someone else that works in the recruiting and staffing business. And, you know, that's what we do at Full Scale, helping you build a team of developers. With me today is Casey Wright. And Casey is the president of Chief of Staff KC. And they do a whole lot of recruiting, headhunting, placement, whatever it is you want to call it. I'm going to let him probably better define it. But first off, Casey, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks a lot for having me. Looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I am too. And with that, uh, let's get a let's go ahead and start our conversation with a little bit of backstory about you and what you guys do at Cheap Staff. Sure. So, been in the recruiting business for 16 years now. Um, I kind of fell into it. I don't think too many people grew up thinking that they're going to be recruiters when they they grow up. And quite frankly, I didn't even know what that meant. Uh, I, someone told me I should be a headhunter, and that sounded uh, illegal or immoral at least, or but, violent. Uh, or violent, which, you know, but, uh, no. So I, I had the opportunity to purchase chief of staff, uh, June of 2019. And so we've been around 10 years in the business based in Brookside, uh, October is our 10th anniversary. We do finance and accounting, administrative HR sales and operations, um, anywhere from the top executive to entry level, everything in between direct hire, temporary temp to hire. And we've been growing like crazy. Yeah, and you guys have, have uh, much like full scale, received accolades for being a fast growing business, a great place to work, stuff like that. And you know, it's a uh, uh, it, it, it's a big industry, man. Yep. Uh, recruiting though is a specialty that not everyone's really good at. I would say very few are good at it, actually. Yeah. So. So I mean, so as you know, let's just dive right in. And like, so when you say we. Today's episode is titled How Recruiting Works. How does recruiting work? There's a lot of different elements of recruiting, and it's different, uh, you know, depending on the level, depending on the industry, depending on the specialty of the person. Uh, I think the thing that a lot of people don't recognize is how much it differs just market to market. You know, I've got friends that own recruiting firms and about the top 50 markets in the U.S., and every single one of them does it completely differently. I mean, I've done trainings up in Omaha and which geographically is close to us and, you know, relatively similar size, their approach is completely different than how we do it here in Kansas City. And um, that's why I, I, I like the fact that we're a Kansas City-based company and we focus here in town because it is drastically different than even how you guys probably do it and how my competitors do it and whatnot. So Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that too. And, you know, I mean, for us, how recruiting works is we have a very small strike zone. You know, we're, um, and, and you kind of do too, even sure. though you rattled off a whole lot of things, but you're, you are a specialty in many regards. May, uh, I, in my past conversations with you, a lot related to like leadership, you sure. know, C-suite, CFOs. I know you guys do more than that. But for us, it's developers, uh, largely developers, developers, testers, and leaders, sure. all in the Philippines. Yep. So yeah. not only is it different, it's the other side of the world. Well, and I think in what you guys do, the technical skills is 
absolutely the number one most important thing. Technical skills are important, but most of what we focus on, I personally think the cultural fit exceeds the importance right. of the technical skills. So um, that's why we chose the areas that we do focus on right now. We're growing. We'll launch additional divisions eventually, but there are certain areas that I didn't dive right into right away because I don't think they had as much uh, of an emphasis on the cultural fit, which is, is everything we're about. So when we talk about a cultural fit, um, let's define that a little bit because that's important to us too, but uh, but in a different way than it is to you. Sure. Um, I mean, cultural fit can mean a, a million different things. And I've told a lot of stories many times. I'm sure if my team's listening to this, they'll, they'll laugh at me because they've heard a lot of my stories. But, uh, you know, it's, it's understanding just how they're going to connect on a personal level. You know, a lot of times... I'll ask people where they went to high school and I'm going to take a quick dig. It's we're not in St. Louis. I don't do that to, to value you as a person. I do that to see how you're going to, to jive with somebody. I mean, I've got clients that are based, uh, you know, they're born and raised in a farming community out in Western Kansas. And if this person came up in a similar, you know, style of background. They're going to, they're going to mesh much uh, more closely than somebody that grew up in an urban area typically, or um, you know, they have, similar values. There, there's a lot of different things that can define the culture, but some of it just comes down to a gut. We get to know our clients really well. We get to know our candidates really well. And we're like, I know they're going to, they're going to understand each other. Our, our process is way different. Exactly. Like it, first off, I need volume sure. because we only hire one in 40 people yep. and much like yourself looking for a very specific type of person. We also have to run our recruits through a gauntlet of uh, certifications and assessments, which we had to create ourselves for a couple of reasons. So like if you're recruiting for, for tech talent, you got to know that they can do the job. It's yep. kind of like if you were trying to hire a guitarist, like whoever's trying to hire a guitarist, you're like, Hey, play something, Yep. you know? And if, if they play, it's just like clearly garbage. You're like, okay, so you're not really a guitarist. Sure. But for us, that's wildly different as far as like, well, first off, we had to create our own assessments because the tools that are out there, uh, realistically, you can find the answers somewhere online. Absolutely. So you had to have an integrity with that. And then on similar, you know, if they make it past that, we then have to put them through uh, looking for like a lot of intangible things. Like uh, for us, when we talk about a cultural fit, we want to find people that are passionate sure. about working with the technology because if they're not lined up properly, then they won't feel comfortable in that cultural fit. Sure. Um, also like, I don't know, just a, a lot of stuff. Communication's a key Yep. for us. Uh, if you're going to build software and you have poor communication, it's game over. Sure. Because, and it's also frustrating for clients. Absolutely. So that, that's a challenge for us is uh, fortunately the Philippines is remarkably user-friendly for American Americans in general sure. and English language. So, sure. uh, but still like, that's something that you could be technically amazing. If you don't speak English, I can't give you a job because you can't communicate with clients. Absolutely. Now I feel like you guys are probably a little smaller batch. Like you, well, I get like go through anywhere from 500 to a thousand applicants a month. Sure. Sure. We, this is always a challenge with talking to my team. We focus on quality, 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 not just volume. Um, I think the vast majority of my competitors focused more on volume than they are quality, but to get to quality, you have to sift through a bunch of stuff too. So that's something I coach my team on all the time. You can't interview five people and expect to have five good candidates. You might have to interview a hundred to get five good candidates, but uh, you know, so you have to go through a lot, but it gets easier with time for sure. I mean, the, the longer you're in this, the better your connections are, the more referrals you have, the trusted referral partners that you have. Uh, eventually the years and years that you put into it, make it that you don't have to interview a hundred people to get five good ones anymore. We, we don't interview all, all sure. 40 to hire one. Sure. Uh, actually those certifications are our first line of defense. So if they don't, ha if they don't have like a top 20% score, like it's game over. Well, I mean, screening to some degree. Yeah. 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 Not, not necessarily interview, yeah, but screening. And, and, and I mean, we've literally had to build, we built our own software platform to accommodate it, yep. to do exactly what we needed and how we needed it. And, you know, that's a whole, a whole nother thing. Now I, with, I don't, how do you assess a recruit? Cause if I'm looking for a CFO, there's not a coding test for that. No. And I don't want to downplay the value in technical skills because the people we place still have to have, you know, a solid technical background of whatever it is. 
I think it is less valuable than it is for, for what you guys are focused on. But like I said, some of it is just gut, <laughs> you know, my background psychology. I, that's what I studied in college. I wanted to become a psychiatrist. That was my, my ultimate plan. Life took me down a different path and I ended up becoming a recruiter, but every single day I'm using all the stuff that I learned in that. And, you know, I think a lot of that is I chose to study psychology because it's what I was naturally interested in. But reading people was a strength of mine since I was a child too. And there, there, I could make a strong case for the fact that, that a recruiter is, uh, is a, a shrink in some ways. Because, well, you, first off, you, you do have to gain a strong grasp on what makes people tick. Absolutely. Because if you put someone in a role they're not happy with, they're not going to stay. For sure. And everyone's wired differently. You know, like, I mean, like I'm a high type A kind of person and that doesn't make me a good mix with a lot of people and makes me an ideal mix with others. Absolutely. Now, and like I said, some of it's gut, but we do have, we do have different tests that we can put them through to, you know, make it more scientific, but I'm not wrong very often on this and nor are my, my, my teammates, the guys that, that work with me, um, some of it's trial and error. You know, it takes time and it takes years of experience to, to figure this out. The way I was trained, I guess, trained, because I never went through any formal training in this business, but uh, what I was taught when I got in this industry compared to now is night and day different than the approach. I, I spend very little time diving deeply into certain skill sets, which is all I was taught to do originally. 95% of my conversations, whether it's with a client or a candidate, has very little to do with the actual job. I know what the jobs are by now. I've done this long enough. I see a resume. I glance through it. I have a pretty darn good understanding. I know the company they work for. I know their backgrounds. Um, now, when it's a specific job that comes up, I might dive in and, and rehash it with them. Hey, how much of this have you done? You know, what percent of your time was doing this? But the 95% of the time talking to them is just getting to know who they are as a person. What, what's important to them? What's their, their family life like? And especially now during, you know, since the pandemic, there's so many other things that people are focused on um, about a job other than just what the pay is and just what the responsibilities are. So that's why I take the time to, to really get to know them. Every person that I place, that we place, uh, we've spent, you know, usually hours and hours, multiple people, sometimes for several years. I mean, I've placed people the day I meet them. I've placed people 15 years after meeting them. So it's a, it's a long relationship. It's not just a, all right, are you a fit for this job? It's, I'm going to be looking for you, whether you're looking or not. Yeah. I feel like the longer someone's job experience and track record is, the easier it is to trigger the gut feeling. Sure. Like, you know, especially when in leadership roles, like if you've been a leader at somewhere, so we're, we have that same thing. There's some places that I'm certain hate us in the Philippines because we continue to hire their talent. I don't sure. understand why they even let it out the door. Yeah. Uh, but that said, we, we, I think that that's an important part of recruiting is, you know, you hear terms like BI business intelligence. Sure. Well, you can get some pretty predictable uh, skills, qualities, and, and no likes. And, and it's funny because at full scale, so we get 230 people expected push that closer to 400 by the end of the year. It's awesome. Um, it's also changed for us because, uh, you know, when you're looking at one in 30, one in 40 people, you can begin to get near the bottom of the barrel pretty quickly. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a challenge. So, you know, we've had to broaden the geography that we've recruited and the pandemic kind of did us a favor in that regard. Sure. It pushed us to remote and we're like, okay, fine. We'll just hire anywhere in the yep. Philippines. But, but yeah, it's been, you know, and then overall, like it, it is, uh, there are some things that are opposite of what you'd think. Cause in some cases with technical recruiting, you can look at someone that it, it, being at the same job for 12 straight years, isn't necessarily a strong point because yep. oftentimes those people are institutionalized. Yep. They are only, they're really good at operating and driving within the lanes that that company provides. And then they get out into other things and like some of them, like uh, we get people that apply that just don't, uh, it would be like an accountant, just literally like what's QuickBooks. Yeah. You know, okay. But sure. that's that sometimes being in those roles yep. for too long. And another thing is sometimes it's obviously this isn't a secret or, or tricks of the trade. There's some people that you're like, why have you had 12 different jobs? Yep. Cause that says you're, I don't know. I don't, that's, that's a huge red flag and it probably any. Sure. Well, it's finding a balance and, and I'm sure we'll dive into this more uh, later, but 
the industry has changed so much. I've seen so many cycles and in 16 years, I know there's people that have been doing it a lot longer than I have, but from what, when I first started, you know, what is desirable and, and what people wanted to avoid has changed a lot. I mean, that's a perfect example. My dad's generation, people went to a job and whether they went to college or not, and they thought they were going to be there for their whole career, years, you know, right. 40 yeah. years, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and when I first got in the business, there was still more of that mindset. You know, we want someone that's been there, uh, at least eight years or, you know, 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. And that's shifted a lot. Now they don't want people that are job hoppy. Everybody gets at least one hall pass. You know, you have sure. one short stint. Everyone's had a jerk of a boss. Everyone's, you know, fallen into a bad situation. Most people look past that now. I remember early on, I would get a lot of pushback on that. Well, this person was only at this job for nine months. What's the story? It's like, and last job for 15 years. Like, are you you're discrediting yep. that? Yep. And now it's finding a balance. If if someone's 10 years into their career and they have worked for three different places, that's pretty good. That's giving them a, a variety of experience. They're not just jumping the second the, the wind blows the other, other direction. Um, they can stay there, but they've also gotten this background, you know, whether it's different software, different culture, whatever. So that's definitely changed a lot. On a human level, I try not to fault someone for wanting to do better for themselves. For sure. Like you mentioned, like, hey, there's this history of stability or whatever. And, you know, what shit happens, man. Like, you never know what's going to, you know, companies change. And especially over this last couple of years, you know, it it can, it can, it's a wild ride. And, you know, I think one thing that, that, and I mentioned this earlier, is it being passionate. So I find that, uh, that so many recruits that we end up hiring feel like they're stagnant. They're not growing. They're not learning how to use new technology. They're just kind of bored. They're tired of like being like the maintenance guy, basically. Um, So that happens a lot in tech. And then a lot of times they have a desire to branch out and do just other iterations of of stuff. And, uh, you know, now at full scale, because we work with a ton of different clients, we offer that ability to possibly go a bunch of different ways. Now, if they're working for Globo Corp or whomever, you know, that's not a real <laughs> At least you never know. Now they are. Yeah, they're probably following me on Twitter already. <laughs> but uh, you know, with that, like that, that there's a rigid thing. It's like, sure. hey, no, you, we need you to do this job. And uh, you, know, you talk about how recruiting works too, and business intelligence. I can tell you exactly how long and how all of my hiring competitors take to respond to a job offer, if they're likely to match it, all of it. And how and how they're going to be on the way out, and uh, and that's been a key thing for me is understanding that and knowing that. And you know, like I said, it's uh, the the bigger the company I'm recruiting someone out of. Now, you know, I think we'd probably be remiss if um, we didn't mention that you talk about how recruiting works. I am personally of the belief that the very best people to hire are already employed somewhere. So they're not, a, they're not out like absolutely. knocking on doors no. with a, a, an application in their hand. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that, that's a bit of a red flag um, if, if that's the case. And, you know, honestly, if you're a software developer that's unemployed, I want to know why. Because same with all like, of our- for real, why? Yep. Like there's, it's your choice or there's something wrong with your approach to yeah. all of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, it made me think of a few years ago, I had a client that was looking to hire for, I don't know, it was a controller level. And there's a guy that the background matched up really well, really well, uh, as far as the skill sets, but he'd been in three jobs in three years. And I remember he's like, what's the story? And I said, there's good explanations. And I was like, well, you know, this first one, the company was acquired and they moved everything to corporate and he couldn't relocate. And the the second one, you know, the, the owner made a bad investment and it went out of business. And third one, whatever, yada, yada, yada. And, the guy responds, he's like, that may all be true, but I'm not trying to sell my company and I don't want it to go out of business. Sounds like this guy's bad luck. So I just don't want him here anyway. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> so. Yeah, there, there's a, it, it, now on the flip side, all that, anybody that you're talking to or recruiting that's that's uh, taking a dump on everybody or anything like they're going to do the same thing to you. Absolutely. I, that That is a, a, a not a good thing. I that I, I do not. No. go for because you talk about culture um you know i mean there are only like 10 million different ways to show you that 
negativity as a drag yep. in any way, shape and form. And Absolutely. no one wants to bring that person in. Uh, you know, one of the things for us is uh, this is pretty interesting because it's, it's a challenge to assess on some levels, but uh, for software developers, you're a problem solver. And that often means that you are it, like our clients are innovating things that there isn't an owner's manual or a, a, a Google search to sure. tell you how to build machine learning for something <laughs> and you got to figure it out. And, and really in the end, um, if you're trying to recruit people, find people that are really smart Yep, because smart people figure it out. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and then, uh, you know, with that, uh, you know, people that are positive, like have a can do attitude. Yep. And, and I like people that are really like, um, uh, obsessive in some regards, sure. cause like I don't go to sleep until I find that solution because yep. that's what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit more about some, some things to look for and some, also some ways that you might be able to fire up a few recruits and reach out. Now, as a reminder with me today, I've got Casey Wright and Casey's the president of chief of staff and Casey, that's my hometown. Now, you know, we've had listeners in 181 countries last year. So some of them don't know the St. Louis reference or maybe where <laughs> Kansas city is, but you go to chief of staff, There's a link in the show notes uh, as well as a link to Gusto. Now, Casey Gusto really special, unlike us, they specialize in managing your team and making it as easy as one, two, three, no more late nights for processing payroll or dealing with business tax filings, no more painful spreadsheets for attendance tracking. Say hello to your new smart HR platform. Check out gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. Get a three month subscription now. Just go to gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. I'm realizing you sell financial services and employees. Is that competitive? I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. I think if it, now I have a lot of appreciation for anything that makes all those things sure. better. Um, now, part of like the whole process, whether you're you're dealing with volume or you're, you know, you hear the the term ATS, applicant tracking systems, sure. which are good in some cases and also overly general in others. Yeah. Uh, we had to build our own. Um, to handle the volume and basically turn a, an applicant. We've got all these assessment notes, all these different things. We had to literally build a very complex solution. Um, and with that, the output is a very clever uh, online profile that has everything from videos yeah. of them speaking. Because by the way, I got tired of answering the question, did it speak English? Click the video on You'll the profile yeah. and listen to this person talk and tell me if you think that's someone that you could communicate with, sure. um, you know, and, and also uh, the one thing that's, that's a key ingredient to us is like, we actually have animated gifts that we, uh, that are different for every employee because these are people. Yeah. These are people. You got to remember that when you're recruiting, like, yep. you know, they're not cogs, they're not gears. You need to appreciate what they've done. And, and I think really in the end, when it comes to recruiting the thing, and I've literally hired like you hundreds of people at this point is uh, you know, talk about why people leave a gig. Sure. They feel underappreciated. Absolutely. They feel underpaid and they feel like they're not listened to. Absolutely. I mean, what else there's, by the way, hold my beer if you want the full list, but what are some of the things that you think drive people out of places that actually make them a decent recruitment target? Well, I think like I, I was talking about earlier with the industry changing, I think everyone has to be adaptable. I think if you're stuck in the way that things were done, uh, in the past, and the past sometimes means a hundred years ago. The past sometimes means two years ago. With with how much the world's changing right now, the past is is a lot more recent than in the past, pun intended. But you have to be adaptable. Like there's clients of mine. I, I'll give an example. A year ago, if somebody called me and or I called them about a job, and they're well, what's the work situation? Where where is it? What's the arrangement? Every one of them or almost every one of them was looking for 100% from home or maybe a year and a half ago, somewhere, you know, within this pandemic, almost every single one of them, 100% from home. Well, about seven, eight months ago, I got, I got a call back from a candidate. I reached out to about a job and she's like, well, what's the work situation? I say, hey, good news. It's 100% from home. She's like, ah, damn, I'm not interested. I'm like, well, what do you mean? She's like, I'm so sick and tired of working from home. I just want to get back to the office and have human interaction. And so now I'm coaching my clients on you've got to be flexible, uh, offer some flexibility, say they can work from home, say they can work in the office. I know that's not uh, a viable option for everybody, but my first 14 years in the business, that 
wasn't even anything that was brought up. It wasn't a conversation, like never. And so now if companies aren't looking at ways to, to get ahead of things, they're already behind. And I see that a lot. Prior to the pandemic, and I'm going to be wrong on these numbers, so I'm just going to shoot from the hip, which is really common for me. <laughs> I, I may quote Abraham Lincoln's Twitter page after I'm done, too. I, I, you, never, you never know. Stick around. Uh, but, you know, there, and I had a recent conversation on the show, um, and once again, I do too many of these shows, so I also don't know which one that is. This is why we have a production team here. So, you know, and we won't edit this out. So like prior to the pandemic, something like one in 65 jobs were actually work from home. And now it's like one in seven or eight or something yeah, like that. I believe and, that. And, you know, you talk about the the changing tides. Now, um, you know, I, I find it interesting because I've worked from home for two, a couple of decades at sure. this point. And, I'm, and I get it done. But I think that most people are are never going to be equipped to actually work from home in a productive way. Like a lot of people need the structure. Um, and, you know, I'm interested to see how that continues to work out. I also think that some jobs are inherently better to do at home and software development is actually one of them because it's, it's a, a little easier to focus yeah, without you like, distractions. Sure. And, and the flip side though, the, the thing that we're struggling with and try, well, I don't say we're struggling with, but we're preparing for is how do we continue to grow our younger employees that are now no longer sitting a, a seat or two down from the guy or gal with 15 years experience. And, you know, much like, uh, well, if you've ever been around a carpenter, like there's always, every crew has an old carpenter and they're like, yep. so my, my buddy, Eric Perkins, who was on Startup Puzzle TV, they have a guy, they call him the wizard. <laughs> and he is like, the, he knows every trick, every, whatever. And, you know, like these, there's a lot to be said about that personal interaction. Um, some jobs are terribly at home. Like, I don't know how an HR sure. director could work at home. Like, where do you keep, where are your files? Where are any of that? Like, are you interviewing people at, in your living room? Or like some of that is, I don't know. Do you, how do you feel about like what, what jobs are, are meant to be accomplished or easier to accomplish while at home and what are like, huh? Well, some obvious ones, I mean, you mentioned construction that can't be done from home. True. You know, most manufacturing cannot be done from home. Um, a lot of it's the individual personality. Um, I joke around a lot of our industry on the surface is pretty simple. You know, we, we go find people jobs and they hire from us and that's that. But the truth is, every single day is different. I have not had one single day in my career that I would say is the same as any others. And you can't, there's no guidebook for that. It's, it's on the job. It's real training. It's, uh, you know, it's the guys and gals in my office that hear me on the phone and I'm responding to whatever it is the person on the other end of the line is saying. I have no idea. I mean, we talked about it earlier being therapist. A lot of our job is, is dealing with this. I mean, we we've, uh, I've had people that are, are battling, you know, sicknesses. I've had people I work with who have passed away or have had close family members that have passed away or, or, you know, divorces. There's all sorts of different stuff, which at the end of the day, we're dealing with people, you know, we're in the business of dealing with people and you need to have experiences that aren't, normal to understand how to, to deal with that. And without sitting in the same building as somebody, that's really hard to, to duplicate. You know, you can't, there's not a training manual for that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I have 20,000 square feet of office space that has largely been empty for two years. <laughs> yep. And I've got a good year and a half left on that $40,000 a month expense, by the way. <laughs> uh, but, you know, with that, we had uh, several employees actually have, you know, we have and that system I mentioned us building, we've got a feedback system, which is fully anonymous and I want it to be. But some people are literally like, you know, ha have said, hey, I really want to come back to the office. I'm tired. I'm seeing more of that. Yep. In general, oh, even with people I know, like we just hired a new uh, director of business development and he was just asking, he's like, hey, I'll do whatever I need to do to be successful. Sure. But, but like, how are you guys doing work? And you know, we come to, we're, we're at the new full scale and start a puzzle studio in downtown Kansas city, Kansas, which by the way, is not close to where anyone lives. And it's also a cool spot. Though. It's also the wrong side of the state line. The Kansas city you're familiar with is actually in Missouri, which blows people's minds. Yes. The Kansas city <laughs> chiefs are in Missouri. Yep. So are the Kansas city Royals. Um, 
but you know, it, like he said to me, he's like, dude, I, you know, I love my family, but I think they would like to see me get out of the house. Yeah. Um, and I would like to maybe get out too. And it's kind of nice to come down a couple of days a week. Cause honestly, like I, same thing, like my wife is probably happy. Uh, yes. My, my, mine as well. Uh, I've joked around a lot about this. So, um, I'm a couple of months shy of my 40th birthday and about half of my team is, uh, you know, around my age, give or take a couple of years. And about half the team is, you know, mid twenties. Well, those of us that are a little older, a little more well-established, we've got, you know, we all own houses big enough to have a separate space for an office in the house, et cetera. The younger ones are mostly, you know, smaller, you know, apartments or whatever, but none of them have kids or most don't have pets. They might have a roommate or a significant other and they're working at their kitchen counter. Well, we may have bigger places, but most of us have young kids and dogs and whatever. It's like, I don't know which, which is uh, easier. It's a challenge no matter what. We, that's the case in the Philippines. Cause you know, the cities are densely populated. Sure. So a lot of people live in they're just, well, first off it's 72 to 92 degrees every day of the year. Yep. So you go outside a little yep. more unlike yep. Kansas city, where it was just like three degrees <laughs> for like 300 days in a row. It yep. felt Israel feels terrible, but yeah, you have a really good point. I think the situational analysis of where you're working, sure. I have a room that I, I go lock myself in and yep. it's, it's distraction free. Now, Jessica, who's our show producer, um, you know, her husband goes to work every day and that's sometimes a struggle Sure, with kids, especially cause they, they want mom. Yep. My kids are like, want mom. And that makes it easier for me to actually do some stuff. And, and my <laughs> wife's job is being mom. Yeah, so my, you know, mine as well. A <laughs> lot of support there, and that and that can be different. Now, when you talk about getting people in the right, I think if you want to, if you're recruiting for people and they want to predominantly work from home, my suggestion is that you find people that seem like they can be consistent. Yep, and have they need to be motivated on some sure. levels because um, you know that I think that's the hardest part of the work from home thing is if, if you think about it, your strongest distractions are at home. Oh, absolutely. It's the easiest to not do what you should be doing when you're at home. So you have to be pretty self-disciplined in order to, to really grind it out at home. The the definition of self-discipline is doing the things that you need to do at the times that you least want to do them. For sure. That for most people, well, considering that, I don't know what the stats are now, but at one point, you know, you'd see these surveys 73% 73% of America hates their job. I'm like, I'm sure they're just <laughs> popping out of bed, working from home. They're like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to kill it. Today. Yeah. They're like, no, man. They're, those are the folks that were smart and created a Zoom background that it was really just a recording. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But there, there really is a lot, a lot of, I, I think that, I don't know, it's been, it's been very interesting. And, you know, I think it's changed the dynamic now for us. Um, I mentioned that the pandemic did us a favor, and even though I got a shitload of office space that I pay for. Sure. Um, I'll do the same thing. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm okay with that because uh, it forced us to go remote. And then it, with tech, the industry standard became remote. Yep. We were inherently already a remote company because unless you're in the Philippines and hiring us, which you're not, sure, um, we were remote anyway. Yep. Now, um, you know, the so a lot of our co- competitors uh are forcing people back to the office. And I love it. Please, all of the people that I hire your employees, especially your great ones, keep forcing them back to the office because they're lining up. Like we, and we led the charge with that uh, very aggressively with work from home. Oh my God, never seen a bigger influx of applicants. Like I had to turn my ads off after three days because I overwhelmed our system. I'm like, oh, wow. And, and, you know, so with that, we also, um, our, our greatest recruiting recruitment tool is our own employees. Yeah. We, uh, we've talked a lot about this. Uh, most of our competitors in town have had, someone has reached out to us since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, many of our competitors were pushing for their people to get back in the office before they're comfortable with it. Do I think it's more efficient and effective to be in the office? Yeah, but not to the, uh, not to the point where it's worth, you know, pissing off your employees or, or worse, risking, you know, the yeah. spread of a disease or, or, or whatnot. And so we've been flexible with people uh, since the beginning of it. And I think it's pretty evident. That's why I haven't lost a single recruiter in over three years now, which 
that doesn't happen in our industry. No, yeah. And well, that's also the, the flexibility and the versatility yep. and the adaptability. Yep. This is agile and that's how modern businesses need to be. And, you know, Hey, here's the thing is the, the market dictates what the market does, yep. not us the other way around. So, you know, if that's the, the trend is the trend, Absolutely. you know, and if you're going to try to swim upstream, you shouldn't be complaining about the downhill resistance Good luck. of the stream. Yeah. <laughs> yep. and then, you know, so, I mean, there's a lot to be said there. Now uh, I'm going to not blow everyone's mind here because I want to talk a little bit about ways. You know, here we are giving away secrets about how you can, you can find and recruit people as we are headhunters and staffing and staff yep. augmentation firms. But you know what? Like, Hey, most of you probably aren't going to use this as a, as a, as, sure. as a, as a, as a referral partner or a business yep. partner anyway. And, you know, we're here to just kind of tell the real story of entrepreneurship and help people get better. Um, number one way that I've recruited people is just simply asking them. Yeah. Like find them. They look good. And I send them a message, tell them how they can apply and see if they do. Sure. Um, I hate, I hate to dumb it down and make it sound that simple, but I mean, that, that works. LinkedIn's a very effective tool. No question about it. I don't, I'm not paying. I'm not placing job ads. I'm not doing any of that. I just like find specific people. And, you know, like I also mentioned that, um, so our employees, we pay our employees for a successful hire. Sure. Well, I mean, it's the equivalent to the average of like a couple of weeks worth of pay. Cause we, cause you know, it's just, well, first off, uh, I find that our employees do not refer. They are very hesitant about who they refer because they don't want it to reflect on them. Sure. If they line up a bunch of idiots. So I'll tell you a quick story about that. When my first gig in this industry, um, the company was paying very well for internal referrals. And I was making just about as much money on referring internals as I was placing people at our clients. The company has since changed their policies, but uh, I, at some point, I realized that what I do, what we do, I'm passionate about it, and I found it really easy to sell. So I was reaching out to all my friends, you know, all my friends from college and high school and post-college, like, oh, you get to do this and you you help people out, you find them jobs, you entertain clients, it can be very lucrative, you're making a difference in people's lives. And so I knew a lot of people that were well-connected and well-liked and well-respected they didn't have exactly the it for the recruiting business. So I was finding tons of people jobs and, and that continued on for several years. So I've totally changed my philosophy where I never say never, but I almost never will approach somebody and try and talk to them about getting into the recruiting business because uh, I'm nearly batting a thousand. If I really actively do that. And I think one of the biggest keys to, to proving whether or not somebody's going to be successful in our business is if, they just have the innate interest and they reach out to me to inquire about it. Now, if they reach out to me and they have the right questions, let's go, let's talk about it. But I have totally stopped being like, hey, have you ever thought about the recruiting business? Because I was too good at it. <laughs> I was I was too successful at, at getting people to get into our industry. I had to take a step back and I'm like, uh, I was I was convincing people that probably weren't right for the industry. And I didn't know that at the time. It was, it, it was self-serving, but it wasn't maliciously self-serving, I guess I would put it. So now it's, uh, I wait and, you know, we've got an interview tomorrow afternoon with somebody that I know I've known a long time and I trust and I really like, never would have reached out about recruiting, but she's an, expressing an interest in it. I'm like, let's talk. Yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. That's, uh, um, there's, a, well, first off, there's a lot of people out there that are recruiters. Sure. Um, there's a lot of competition for that. Um, now really in the end, you could have the greatest recruiters in the world but if you're recruiting people into a company that sucks and a culture that sucks, it, yep. you're not going to, you're not, you have zero wins. Yep. And that's, you know, been so much about what we've tried to push at full scale is, you know, we, we're, we're pretty loud, top pay, top benefits, top equipment. Yep. Um, you know, and it's like, you wouldn't hire a, a ninja and give them a butter knife instead of a sword. <laughs> so like top equipment is like actually a big deal yeah. now. It's, it is literally other than rent and payroll, my biggest expense, but worth it because once again, like, you know, the ninja, the butter knife. So for us to figure out what we needed to do to recruit and the way we shaped our company, it was very simple. I, I, I literally have said this on this show a bunch. We found a bunch of people that were looking for jobs and then we asked them what they didn't like about the places they'd worked in the past. Sure. We listened for the echo. There was a few different things and we just did the opposite. 
Yeah. And when it came to finding clients, now see, I've got a, I've got a more complex thing because I actually have to find clients that need recurring services. Yep. You place someone in a job, they pay for that. You know, obviously they need to stick there for a while. Sure. But we need to build that that relationship and, and maintain it. And you know that that's uh, uh, is well. And the problem is 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 if one side of that slows or isn't going well, uh, it has a profound effect on that's the true. other side. Like meaning like I can have all the clients in the world, but if we suck at recruiting, uh, there aren't service providers to yep. put in their roles and, and our clients are wanting to build teams in like perpetuity. Yep. So, you know, it, it's painful. And, you know, I, I, a couple of times along the way, I've had to tap the brakes and I had a waiting list for a month and a half. People are like, dude, that's a good problem to have. I'm like, who are you? And no, it's not. Cause you start to realize like how expensive that is for your business to not have the right people oh, or not have them available. So, well, I've always said this is one of the hardest sales jobs in the world because there aren't too many others. I'm sure somebody will call me out, but I can't think of any off the top of my head where you have to sell both sides of it. You know, you have to very, very rarely do I not have either a candidate or a client that is extremely interested in the other side. Well, uh, not, not only that, sides. I have to pay them as sure. a full-time employee. Sure. In, if they aren't assigned to a client, which in March of 2020, from March to May, I lost 35% of my contracts because sure. it, it, when the pandemic hit, it just that, well, pretty much what you're taught in most schools of business is make your cuts, figure out later if you were right or wrong. Yep. And, yeah. you know, so what now with that, we rebounded super quick from that, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a mess. And, you know, for us, it being a pretty young company, like, it, I mean, you have, the thing that's the most challenging for us is because our team works for over 40 different clients on a full-time basis is that's 40 different influxes of culture yep. and clients and the way they do it and everything from, we have some clients that just, that literally they have built a trust with us. They're like, who do you got? Who, tell me who is coming to work for yep. us. Now we love them. Those are my we, best clients. Yes. Too. <laughs> yes. And, and by the way, I, we take that really seriously. Because the first time we mess that up is the last time you get to do that without going back to yep. the long way. And we've tried to do so much, especially, you know, so with over 200 people, like we've had to automate so much of it. And unfortunately we own gigabook.com and sure. online appointment scheduling. So we've put that in there and uh, who knows, man, who knows? I've, I've, uh, it's a, it's, it's been a real challenge on some days and, you know, and with that, that ebb and flow. Another thing in the Philippines is here, here in the U S like, give you two weeks notice and they're out sure there it's 30 to 60 days and it's usually a contract that yep. dictates that because sure. if you're going to hand over a tech platform usually two weeks is not enough to find the right person to fill the role and it's yeah there's a lot of stuff with, that goes with that now as far as um and you know we'll kind of before we before we end the episode um what do you think the in your experience what are the some of the key motivators for like someone wanting to take a job. We talked about leaving one, but you know, it, money is an obvious one. Let's cross that sure, off. Sure. But it's not always the, the key driver. I mean, ironically, I've had many people throughout my career that when they hear what it pays, it scares them away because they're like, Oh, I don't want that level of responsibility or accountability. And, and, and they, they devalue themselves. You know, I deal primarily with accountants. Um, not as uh, self-confident a lot of times as a salesperson or, or whatnot. And so it's funny you, you mentioned the money. Yes, of course, most people want more money, but sometimes that's a deterrent to a certain degree. Um, again, it's it changes. It's different for every single person. You know, like I, I've placed a ton of people coming out of public accounting throughout my career. That's that's high demand. Most people are like, they talk to them like, all right, well, what do you want to do next? And that's what they ask most recruiters or, you know, what kind of clients did you focus on? You know, what kind of company you want to work for? You want to work for a large company, a small company, a public company, private company, et cetera. And I always ask, I'm like, why do you want to leave? And most people are like, well, just they assume that, oh, it's because of really long hours. I'm like, yeah, their busy season hours are long, but there's plenty of accountants that have really long hours that aren't in public accounting. Do accountants work after April 15th? <laughs> no, no, that's it. It's uh, thought, in January yeah. and April 15th and it's I done. I keep telling my accountant that and she gets <laughs> really upset that 
I don't seem to understand that. And most people think that auditors can do tax and tax folks can do financial. No, it, it's all different. It's all different. But, uh, um, you know, it, it, there's there's different factors for every single person. You know, some of these public accountants want to leave because they don't like the travel. Some want to leave because uh, they feel like they're a cog in a wheel in a huge system. There's some some want to leave be because uh, they're tired of having a bunch of different clients and they want to make an impact internally. But the answer to that question gives me so much more information about what's going to be the right fit for them versus, hey, what kind of job are you looking for? Because the truth is most people are not very good at um, knowing really what they want and their self-awareness. So I always try and get people to start having conversations. And that's easier to do now because first round interview is frequently a, you know, a brief phone call or a Zoom call. It's less of a time commitment than in the past where it's you go home and you put on a suit and tie or if you're a guy or whatever, you're just business professional and they put you through a three or four hour gauntlet and you have to come out of, come up with an excuse to get out of work. Now let's go have a conversation. And if I have one of my candidates that has three or four preliminary interviews, the feedback from that almost always uh, is different than what they tell me they think they want originally. And and they just, they have these preconceived notions for whatever reason. I'm not interested in that industry because of, you know, I don't want that industry. Then I come to find out, it's like, they had a friend three years ago that worked in the industry and hated the company they worked for. It's like, well, yeah, that company's crap, not the industry. Or, you know, there's just a lot of different factors. So get out there and start having conversations and you're going to be more aware of what you want too. But same with the flip side, the, the clients, they tell me, well, I need, you know, this software, this, this many years of experience, yada, yada, yada. Almost every single time from the start of the search to the end of it, it pivots multiple times. Well, this guy, this woman matches up exactly with what you told me. Oh yeah. They're overqualified. Well, that's not what you told, you know? And so it's like, let's just get out there and have conversations because we learn so much more than what's on paper. And I always joke around. I'm like, I place people, not paper. I spend less and less time looking at job descriptions and looking at resumes and more time getting to know the people I work with. Four years in, I've heard the term overqualified once. Really? Yeah. It's like the opposite. I, I'm, I'm sitting for, I know y'all can't, can't hear y'all. Y'all. <laughs> My wife gives me a hard time. She's like, you need to learn how to say the word 10. And I said it. She says, I usually say 10. 10. Yeah, so, <laughs> hey, we are in Kansas, folks. <laughs> um, so I, we're on the opposite side. Uh, first off, if you show up to your tech interview wearing a tie or a suit, you will not get the job. People will be like, yep. you're not going to fit in yep. here. Um, with developers, we have we kind of joke. And uh, like I said, I'm sitting here smirking. And, uh, so the weirder they are, the better they probably are as a developer. So like if you have like a programmer show up like in a cape with a lightsaber, <laughs> hire them on the spot, like right there. If they, tell you, if they tell you that they need extra room for their Legos, like at their desk, hire them. Yep. Uh, but we had early when we had first started full scale, we um, had this. So I mentioned all these assessments and by the way, our assessments don't lie. Yep. Like we have learned that like they, they have a direct correlation with the success, the speed, the accuracy and the deliverables, which is very, very, variable tech. But we had one guy that just like, like superhuman scores across a broad, a, a range of tests that sure. you theoretically shouldn't be good at all these things. So he comes in for the interview and he shows up and he's wearing bedroom slippers and shorts <laughs> And like, was it like, you know, he was on time, but, and so our manager at the time said, well, why are you wearing slippers? He said, well, I, I didn't want to be late. So, so, uh, so <laughs> with that. that, I got, I, I get the recommendation back. I don't think we should hire him. He showed up in his bedroom slippers and I said, I don't give a shit what he's yeah. wearing. No, not one single client we have is ever going to see his feet. Yep. And then also back to the kind of the weird thing, yep. you know, like that is like a really, and Matt Watson's always was the first person to really drive that home. He's like, dude, the weirder they are, the better. And you know, the funny thing is in tech, cause usually when they're weird, they were sitting at home messing around with their computer yep. all day. They yeah, weren't, absolutely. they weren't, they weren't out, out socializing or playing football or, sure. I mean, just the reality of it. And you know, one thing that's, it's a challenge too, and we try to train our clients. It's like, they'll, they'll talk to someone. They'll be like, well, they weren't very, uh, they weren't very vocal and communicative. I'm like, do they speak? He speaks English. And he's like, yeah, but he, he was really introverted. I'm like, dude, it's a software developer. A developer. Like, it <laughs> comes with the territory. This is a sales like, guy. Do you right? want a spokesperson <laughs> or a developer? Cause they're two very, very different, different things. Um, by the way, for us, the thing we find with tech is it's not, about the money, although the money is is good, it's about the feeling of the, the career and the skills are moving. 
Yeah. So like, meaning like, cause that's something that changes. And, and, you know, honestly, there are a lot of people that have a lifetime of experience in tech and they are working with monolithic antiquated stuff that is in a state of decline to the point that maybe if they stay with it long enough, they'll be one of the only few people that'll do it. And then they're even more valuable. Sure. But there's, there's a lot of things that ebb and flow. Uh, we mentioned like short timeframes, like a year or two, like in the world of tech, that's like infinity. Sure. Like kind of like ADD, yep. you know, like yeah. you, people are, I, I openly admit my ADD. People are like, what are you doing in six months? I'm like, dude, come on. I, people I'm on ask a six me, day window here. Yeah, I, I don't like to say I'm successful, but people ask me a lot. What do you attribute success to? I say ADD all the time. Oh yeah. I wouldn't I, give I it chase back. all I sorts of different things. And, well, you mentioned turning 40. So the thing that I've really learned to appreciate is as I've gotten older, people, so everyone, every time I talk to people, you have so much energy. Like, that's amazing. Like you're, you're like a catalyst. I'm like, yeah, I guess yes, that's how I'm wired. They said, I got eight, I got the H I got the hyperactivity, man. Like it's in here. Now, by the way, it's hard to dial that down. And that's a whole different. You know, that gets us in trouble every once in a while, but I think it works. It got me in trouble a lot until I learned how to maybe. Once you rein it in, it's a superpower. If you, it is. If you can put the lightning in the bottle. Absolutely. Now, now if the problem is, is when you can't, you're kind of like, dude in the x-men the psych was it cyclops yep. with his sunglasses off just mowing things <laughs> like you have no chance and neither does anything around you it'll take you down so my daughter has been blessed with that gift and same as mine yeah now, now when i was that age they didn't have medication for yep. that stuff so i was just labeled a disruptive kid just the the troublemaker because you yeah. doodled on your notebook and talked in class right yeah so well as we uh as we approach the end of a conversation that could probably go on for days uh, i want to let everyone i want to let everyone know that well wait shiny things wait so, so once again today's episode of startup hustle was sponsored by gusto if you're looking for an all-in-one hr platform it's time to check out gusto you have everything you need in just a few clicks of a button. You'll even get three free months when you go to gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. Once again, gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. You know, it's even easier than typing that in, Casey, is scrolling down to the show notes of this podcast, no matter where you're listening. And they can not only find the link to gusto.com forward slash startup hustle, because it's a lot to type in and say it three times really fast. I can also <laughs> be a challenge. But there's also a link to your company in there. And that is chief of staff, KC. Dot com. You know, uh, I, I like to end my episodes. Uh, I know you're technically not the founder, um, but you kind of are in many ways. Um, but, you know, I end my shows with Founders Freestyle. And I say my shows because I'm not the only host of the show anymore, man. We got we got Andrew, uh, Andrew Morgans, the CEO and founder of Marknology, specializes in Amazon brand acceleration. Uh, Lauren Conaway, who is a personal hero of mine, uh, Innovate, her just got their 5,000th member. Nice. It started as a Facebook. Congrats, Lauren. Yeah, I know. She's awesome. And uh, Matt Watson is going to be hosting his own shows. And those kick off in March. And uh, we'll see how those go. Yeah. Matt, Matt, Matt uh, he said, man, you know, 600 episodes later, I finally get to be the bride, and not the bridesmaid. <laughs> I was like, good luck, buddy. Good luck. I kind of felt like I was pushing a child. Like, sure. my, I'm like, go. Just, yes, you can move out. On your own. You can move out. <laughs> but, you know, the founder's freestyle is inherently here to talk about well it's a freestyle man do whatever you want you said you weren't going to rap or do well I, yeah it's, it's a little early in the day I've for people sang rap talk for like 20 minutes well, despite, i can talk but, for hours but i don't yeah, know if these people want to hear we, it yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get yeah but, but i mean as we kind of look back and you know this is a really how it is recruiting work like we really could talk about this for a hundred years. Like we scratched the surface. Barely, barely scratched right. the surface. And then, you know, and maybe we need to do a whole series on it. Cause honestly, I think the world kind of needs that, you know, but I mean, what are some of your key takeaways or, or things that we might not have said? Well, one thing I was thinking of earlier was you talked about, Hey, we're giving away the tips on how to hire. Oh no, we're, we're going to let our, our special sauce, our special secret out, which yeah, I'm not worried about it. Nor am I. Yeah. Uh, I used to be a lot more earlier in my career. And, and then I started to recognize, I'm like, I can tell you exactly how I do it, but yeah. unless doesn't mean you're going to do it, it doesn't mean you're yeah. going to do it. And, and so I'm not too worried about it. Um, it's not proprietary. I, I know we do things better <laughs> and I'm yeah. confident in that. I'm confident in saying that um, I'm, when you're saying, well, here's the best way to hire. 
listen, because I need my hiring managers to be better at hiring. You know, it's not just us finding good talent. We need our clients to know how to operate too. And they need to adjust and they need to pivot. Like one thing I was thinking of earlier was, you know, sometimes in, when you say, what, what drives people to a company? It's different for every single person. Every single situation is different. Back to the point of why we need to be in the office and learn on the fly for, for real time. We're pushing our clients to, to move quickly right now. Of course, people think, oh, that's self-serving. The faster you get a deal closed, you get paid, et cetera. It's not that. It's because people are going to be off the market. I mean, I've, I've been taught time kills all deals. That's, that's one thing that is absolutely true. It's always been true. But sometimes you need to read the room. You know, it's uh, realtors now, if, you, if you're looking at a pocket listing that's in a hot area, they're going to tell you not to leave the house without making an offer and probably over what ask is. Yeah. And that's true in our business too. But then again, our job as recruiters is to learn our candidates and, and learn the style. More often than not, I'm going to tell my clients, hey, if you really like this person, you better you better put up or shut up. But if it's a candidate that is is very, um, uh, you know, timid about testing the market, you know, very trepidatious, and they go on their very first interview, and at the end of the interview, the hiring manager's like, "All right, we're going to offer you right away." Well, you're going to scare them away. It's that's like going on a first date and proposing right away. You need to be able to read that a little bit, and we need to be able to coach our our clients on that too. Um, those people, you need to give them a little bit of time. I hear clients all the time that are like really like this person. Um, we want to have a few to compare to. I'm like, that's, I said, that's not why you hire a company like yours or mine. Nope. I mean, to be honest, yeah. it's not. And like more isn't yeah. better. More yeah. we've screened out ton, tons. I, I mean, I've said this for years, but I'm like, I saved the best for first, like yeah. more often than not, the very first person I think of for a job. I, I tossed to the other it. 39 people. For exactly. You exactly. And, like, and, and by the way, that's a red flag for us yep. when it comes to clients, yep. because well, I mean, we don't mind. We want it to be a good fit. Absolutely. Some of the things we do is, and I mentioned we're a little different because they're already our employee by the sure. time you're talking to them. Now, that means they are available, but it's highly competitive because, I mean, we don't hold people for, you know, unless you're like, hey, I'm just waiting for a contract approval. Okay, you have 48 hours. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, our clients see people disappear from our system. Like I get emails a lot. They're like, um, so this guy was in there the other day and now he's gone. I was like, well, it's because you scheduled your interview 16 days from now, dude. Like, yep. I mean, there's, yeah, like I had a waiting list two months ago. This guy, this guy or gal, is it just going to stay there? And I, I like that. Yeah. Because it makes people move quicker. Absolutely. It and, opens and, their eyes. And what are you waiting for? But, and, and, you know, it's part of it, like, this whole thing. And it's like, sometimes people are like, I don't want to pay a head on or all that money. You're not paying for the hire. You're paying for all of the effort that you saved yourself of going through, which by the way, if you haven't done it, good luck. Yeah. Good fricking luck. Cause, um, there, and dude, my day is, is and week is just loaded with calls. So first off, this is what I get. This is my takeaway here. So uh, first off, I, I'm very upfront about the fact that we're probably more expensive than the competition because I don't have the same thing. Sure. It's not, you can't be like, it's not an apple to an apple. They're like, Hey, uh, uh, this developer from this other company. Now it's funny because in, in my world, every, somehow everybody magically has the top 3%. I really right? do. I can <laughs> prove it mathematically for you and show you that now. You know, with that, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about now I'll, I'll prevent people from hiring, putting people on their team. If I don't think it's a good fit for our team members. Sure. Um, Cause that never goes well. No. You know, the, the replacement of, of people's really expensive and, you know, like now when it, part of what I hear all the time is people like, Hey, I put a job out up and I got three applicants. Yeah. That's pretty normal, man. Yeah. That's about what you're going to get. Now you say, I want to talk to a bunch of people. Okay, cool. So in three months, you're going to have nine candidates yep. maybe, and you probably have spent a bunch of money. So in like, time and time is money. And what right. do you make an hour? Is it worth all these interviews? So, for so you? You, can, you can go to LinkedIn and put your ad up for free. The thing is no one's going to see it unless you probably spend a couple grand yep. Yep. promoting it. And that's the way it is. Now we're also in a, in a labor market that is really weirdly tilted. So, you know, you, you see these articles are like, there are more uh, unemployed people than jobs available. Why does that exist? Well, it's because 350,000 of them are tech jobs that we can't fill sure. and never will because yeah. they're, the, dude, that is an overwhelming number of sure. people to, and we, I mean, the state of Kansas a few years ago had 300 
and change computer science graduates. Like, dude, like, wow. good luck. Yeah. You know, like there's, I can name 10 different companies in in the 28th biggest market, Kansas City, yep. that are going to hire more people than that this year. Yep. And, you know, so really what you're paying for with a company like Casey's or ours is the ease of use. Because look, any as a business owner, a founder, an entrepreneur, or an employee, anything you're doing that is pulling you away from growing the business has an opportunity cost and that's the growth of the business. So, you know, I, I have, as I, you know, you mentioned being 40, I'm coming up seven. Yeah. I don't look a day over 46. I would agree with that. Cause I'm agree. not actually, I'm actually 46 <laughs> on the dot. Now, now the, the thing, <laughs> but I've really learned to appreciate, uh, the specialty nature of a lot of different businesses, a lot of software platforms that sure. are, and I always, I always tell people and, and get, you know, people ask you a question about this. So like, what do I need to do with my startup? Like, you need to get good at really, <laughs> I get really good at one thing before yeah. you try to get good at six, but you know, whether it's a, a recruitment firm or a company like full scale or something completely different, we're in this golden age of entrepreneurship where people are specializing in a lot of different stuff. Sure. Like you guys are really great with financial yep. folks and you and I, I now you live two doors down from my dad, yeah. which was interesting because yep. we didn't know that when sure. we first talked, but you know, we've had a couple calls and you know, you've told me, you're like, dude, I, what you sell is, is like vapor or magic or something <laughs> way different. And I feel the same way. Like, I don't know how I, like, I would probably struggle to understand like an accountant. I, I feel like I'd be spend most of my time trying to get him to talk. Everyone um, says that. Yeah. Uh, no, it, yeah it, I just joke. Well, I, lo- I love it though. Most people I interview, the accountants and like I said, accounting and finance is what I've always specialized in, but we have several divisions. Almost every accountant I've interviewed said, you know, I'm not like your typical accountant personality wise. I'm like, well, if you all say that, <laughs> eventually it becomes not true. But now one, one difference you're talking about in saving money and, and how, like I said, we do temporary temp to hire, direct hire, direct hire placements is, is what I personally have predominantly focused on throughout my career. I can tell people all the time, I offer a free service. I mean, in the vast majority of, of what I do is pro bono work. And that's advising clients and candidates. And it doesn't cost people anything to look at a resume, right? And I'm like, you can keep using your internal recruiter. You can keep doing whatever, but you're calling me for a reason. You know, it's been well, you're, three you're weeks pay, or three you're months. You're to avoid the, the, the overwhelming expense of, of getting it wrong. You know, like hiring the wrong people at your business is, of is terrible. It's uh, it's deflating yep. your existing staff. Um, it's distracting, so it takes you away from your core mission. Um, you're paying someone to suck at what you hire them to do, which yep. is the often, especially with high level people, the most expensive. Yep. And uh, you know, and then you get to start over again. Sure. And, and you know, that's just really par for the course. So you know, I fortunately in the in the world of tech, a lot of the, companies we deal with their venture backs and they get a lot of good advice, which is like, they're like, Hey, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to go straight to the source. All right. You're not Frank Lucas, an American gangster, yeah. like <laughs> trying to go, Oh, you're not going to get the best people in a foreign country. <laughs> like when you don't have a business there yep. that is actually stable and recognizable and able to provide the things that no one would take a job here without like healthcare and retirement like you're not going to go do that in a foreign country and another thing too is like uh, you know people lean on a lot of like online freelancer marketplaces good luck protecting your ip yeah what are you gonna do <laughs> when that person runs off with your code and you find it on bitbucket later <laughs> or they blackmail you for it? and that actually happened to me once mm. and that's when i realized i needed to create a better solution for like what we do at full scale Sure. And it's like, and you know, that's the thing I have recourse. These are vetted people. And, sure. You know, be careful with who you're hiring and, and, and what they're doing and know that, you know, that's where that trusted source comes in. And dude, just like, just like you, we are selling trust. Yep. We're selling trust and we're selling experience. And, and here's the thing, man, at this point we have had thousands and thousands and thousands of people, not only taking our assessments, but also applying. Sure. And we got pretty darn good at it. Yeah. Like we are laser sharp at it. Like, I mean, I, I literally can't remember the last person that I would classify as a bad hire that still works at our company. It's a good thing. We had a couple, <laughs> we had a couple early and you sure. know what, that's going to happen now. How would that affect your business is what you need to ask yourself. So, you know, really the smartest people I know that have the most experience building whopper businesses are going to tell you to call a company like yours or a company like ours or, 
or be committed to the path of getting really good at doing it internally, which is a long process. And in tech, you don't have that time. It's like the fail fast mentality, get big now or go home. It's just not feasible to be specialized in, in many different areas. I mean, I was talking to a client the other day who's based in the San Francisco area and they were trying to recruit on their own. And, and she said, I've been with this company for years and very successfully have recruited. And, you know, we're now trying to hire some people based in Kansas city. She goes, I can't get them to respond to me for the life of me. And I'm like, okay, well, why? She goes, I don't, I don't know. I said, well, you don't know our market. I said, no. you may be really good in San Francisco, but you don't know Kansas city. And she gave me a couple of examples of people that she was recruiting. And she's like, and I, they were people I knew because I know the people in my industry. Well, and, uh, she said, well, why aren't they responding to me? And I said, well, they live in XYZ suburb. What's wrong with that? I said, that's 45 minutes from your office. She's like, and I said, people don't want to drive 45 minutes in Kansas city. She goes, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. If it's less than 90 minutes in the Bay area, that's considered next door. I was like, there's no way you can know that, you know, little idiosyncrasies about it in not just market to market, but you may be great at recruiting sales professionals, but if you don't know the accounting market. You don't know how to recruit them. And that's, that's why we have our disciplines and we stay within our disciplines too. We have partners that we team up with for other areas, but I'm not going to go out there and, and, and find you uh, an IT guy, because as we've established, I'm not the tech guy. I don't know that world. I have full friends scale, that do full scale. Dot IO. <laughs> I've got friends that do, but <laughs> full scale. Dot IO. No, but dude, BI business intelligence. And that, that's reflective of not that's part reflects on your market too. Sure. And also who you're competing against. And, you know, you know, I don't know, there's a lot of people who just, they're like, Hey man, I'm cool where I'm at. Sure. And you're going to stick there and you can't expect them to, you know what, whenever we hear that, we're like, great, we're here. We'll be we're here, here whenever. And yeah. you know what? Those people come back a lot. Oh, absolutely. they come back a lot. Cause some, cause things change. Absolutely. Things change. Speaking of changing, let's go do something different in this episode. What do you All right. What do you want to do? We're going to figure that out, but we're not going to record. <laughs> Sounds good. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.